All right, welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined on the phone by Rob Casty. Rob, how's it going today? It's going, man. It's you know, it's the back to the two man show. I'm getting nostalgic for you know the early days of Commitment Issues. Yeah, back before they brought it, the producers brought in Nick to uh, spice it up a little bit or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to, to throw a wrench in our otherwise happy show. Um, Friday release, we're a little late running behind schedule. We were waiting for Kevin Someone to join the show. We won't name him. <laughs> too late now a special guest uh was supposed to join and uh push back our recording schedule so we we were uh, were, uh, from what i understand we were replaced by a trip to the indianapolis 500 where i'm sure hopefully kevin is having a great time um we want to remind everyone please uh subscribe on itunes leave us a review uh it helps uh get the word out there for other people who are new to the show especially this time of year when it's uh, very slow so uh let's jump right into it rob we want to talk about recruiting of course florida state they flip well i guess it took more than a day to flip a running back from tennessee uh give a four star give us a little bit of context to what happened and if you were surprised especially considering that that uh, i think tennessee saw this as a surprise at least a lot of their fans did yeah i you know this is one of those things, and we can get into this a little bit more later, where I feel like when Tennessee took the commitment, uh, and you know, obviously it wasn't very long ago, they kind of knew that there was always, or they should have known, and that there's always a shoe that's going to drop or, you know, could drop, potentially drop. And that shoe is, you know, the in-state programs. And that's kind of what happens uh, when you're recruiting Florida. And that's kind of what happens to Tennessee here. You always have to be wary of a guy that doesn't have an offer or a committable offer from one of these in-state programs. If you're Tennessee or any school like it outside of the footprint of the state recruiting Florida. Um, so it becomes tough to hold on if one of these other schools gets to their second or third option and then comes for your candy, so to speak. Uh, there's such an allure, uh, Florida State especially, and Miami's becoming that way too, uh, for these in-state kids to stay in state and play at one of these schools that, you know, at any time this thing can turn on its head. And, you know, that's kind of a risk you take when you recruit the state, I think. Well, and I think you know, obviously it's going to happen to anybody because in any state, really, when you've got a big, powerful program that <clears throat> catches the eye. I mean, Tennessee's stolen guys away from, from other places before. Yeah, the difference in Florida is there's three of them, right? Right. Like, I mean, that's, that's the only – I mean, Tennessee – can protect Tennessee with the best of them when somebody gets out of state and is committed somewhere else and they decide they want them. But when you have, you know, three snakes in the grass, so to speak, uh, it's, it's tough to protect what you're trying to protect. Yeah. The running back we're talking about, Jashawn Corbin, uh, he's from uh, the Melbourne area, which is over on the space coast. I believe they like to call it. Indeed. Uh, he, he, he's an interesting guy. I mean, we haven't seen a ton of them. I, I can't. He's remember. a monster. <laughs> right, mean, he's listed at six one one eighty six, but yeah, he's a, he's another big back. They seem to like those guys. Yeah, definitely. You know, he's in kind of, and I don't want to make this comparison because I think Cam Akers was the best player in the country last year, but he's got that sort of broad shouldered build, you know, and that kind of power. Uh, he obviously isn't as explosive or as fast as Cam Akers, who was a five star, but it's the same. You know, he's cut from the same physical mold, I guess. Uh, they'll do a lot of different things with him, though. I don't know that he's going to be a guy that lines up in the backfield on every play. You know, they can split him out a little bit. Uh, then, you know, they can use him in blocking packages as well. He's, he's a really interesting guy. Yeah, and the rich get richer there. You mentioned they signed two five-stars last year. I know they've got a five-star on the roster in Jack West Patrick, who may be you know, one full year in the spotlight and then be off to the NFL, especially if those other guys are pushing behind him. Um, so they just, they keep, what is it about Florida State? I mean, then running backs. I mean, we don't think of them as, you know, running back you or whatever, but it just seems like 
you know, Jay Graham, the coach there, whoever, they just they just keep getting guys over and over again. Well, it's been pretty fortuitous for them, right? I mean, if you're the top dog in a state with the kind of talent that Florida has in it, you're going to sleepwalk into some of this, right? And, you know, in the Acres situation, is a little bit different. They benefit from Old Miss and the sanctions and all that there and end up reaching into Mississippi and getting Acres. But for the most part, Florida State's been on top of the state for a while now. Uh, you know, they've been the premier program. They've been the one program competing for national championships. They've been the program with the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, so the allure's there. And if the allure's there in Florida... Uh, and you're the top dog and Miami can attest to this and Florida can attest to this too, because they've both been on top, you know, in different stretches in the past, you kind of sleepwalk into talent. And it just happened to be that a lot, there's a lot of running back talent around the state the last few years. And, and Florida state's been able to kind of be right place, right time uh, to kind of inherit all of it, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive that like, I can't believe that these backs that they've got coming in and, you know, perhaps it'll make up for some of the quarterback uh, misses and at least in some of our opinions, over the past few years, especially after what happened with Malik Henry having to transfer or anything like that. Maybe we see a situation where Florida State looks like, uh, you know, old school Alabama here. and <laughs> running a like single wing or something. My high right, two, or two or three years. Hey, Cam Akers can play quarterback. We've seen it. Yeah, he uh, definitely can. I, I, that's what he did in high school. Yeah, he can do it all. So not all bad news this week for Tennessee, though, is they got two commitments. Speaking of in-state, Brendan Harris, uh, a four-star guy, a defensive back, and then uh, Jacob Warren, a high three-star guy you had a chance to see recently, and I think you liked. And I know uh, based on other other college coaches were really bugging us about uh, Warren and his ranking, and they really liked him as well. So uh, it's interesting because Warren is a another Tennessee legacy, and I was joking uh, – I was joking on the phone who, you know, the coach, whoever was the coach of Tennessee, and it shows my knowledge of the SEC coaching landscape in the, the 70s and 80s, he should get a lot of credit for some of the, I mean, the amount of legacy players that they have coming to Tennessee year after year, I mean, uh, it's impressive, right? I mean, that, that coach should get credit for really two recruiting classes if he recruited the dad and then the kid ends up signing 25 years later, right? Look, man, I, I, I'm here to tell you this. It's not as easy as you think to recruit some of these legacies. I, you know, I've been around a little bit and I've seen, you know, back before I was covering recruiting exclusively, the only kind of recruits that I was aware of were, you know, guys that kind of transcended for whatever reason. And a lot of that would be, you know, okay, their dad played at the school I'm covering or whatever. It doesn't always work out the way you think it works. Uh, there's a tight end at Florida right now named DeAndre Goolsby, whose dad played at Kansas State, is one of Kansas State's more famous players, uh, non-NFL. And he didn't even, I don't even think, really consider K-State. I, you know, they get away sometimes. It's not, you know, there's some work to be done by Butch. We should maybe give him some credit here. Well, what's impressive is, I mean, some of these these guys are not all. Uh, Warren is a local kid. I think his family stayed around there. Uh, Cade Mays is another one local kid whose dad played there. But then you look at somebody like uh, Khalil McKenzie, the five-star defensive tackle. They were out in California. You know, his dad is the GM of the Raiders. So they go out there and they get him. Nigel Warrior, whose dad, Dale Carter, uh, played for the school. He lives in Atlanta. So, I mean, they are, you know, they do get credit. I'm just joking around. Look, there are certain schools, though, right? Like that, I don't want to use, I don't want this to sound pejorative because it's not, whose fan base is a little bit more cult-like, right? Like Texas A&M. Uh, Tennessee, it seems like the allure of, you know, the alumni draw to those schools, uh, even Nebraska for that matter, is a little bit stronger than say the alumni draw of Mississippi state or say, uh, you know, Virginia or something like that. You know, there are some of these schools that are quote unquote, maybe not blue blood schools, but do have fan bases that are rabid and, and dedicated to that school, dedicated fan bases. And I think 
you know, there's something to be said there for the allure of Tennessee for these, you know, these legacy recruits. Uh, and so we also worth touch, touching on Harris. He, he actually played for uh, Eric Westmoreland, who's a, who's another Tennessee uh, Vol for Life, whatever you want to say. He, he was his high school coach, and it was interesting because he had told me uh, prior that his dream school was Florida. The amount of kids with these dream schools who end up going to there. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the dream school Oregon is like half the kids' dream school. Well, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, including Warren, who went out there on a visit to Oregon on his own dime. I think for the spring game, or maybe it was just a visit. But regardless, that's that's what we've talked about with them is getting kids out there. They got him out there, and you know the the old the old dream school. The problem is it's a long it's a long trip, but uh, so they 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 get Harris away from Florida. Florida would have gladly taken his commitment. So. It's a win for them, even though they were one of the, they weren't even the first to the party on him. I mean, he had Clemson and three or four other offers before uh, Tennessee joined the mix. So they continue to kill it in state. Um, I don't have the rankings in front of me. I'll pull them up here shortly. But when you look at the top players in the state of Tennessee, I mean, it's it's pretty impressive, especially considering they struggled last year and they took some heat for it with uh, Jacob Phillips. And Jacoby Stevens, both yeah, going to LSU. Right so I've got Cade Mays committed to Tennessee. I've got Greg Emerson uncommitted. Brandon yeah, Harris, at number three, committed to Tennessee. Right. We, can, we can assume Emerson's Tennessee. going to Tennessee. So we can assume that at least the top four are either committed to Tennessee or going to Tennessee. Uh, where's Lidecker going? He's number Tennessee. five. Tennessee. Number six is Cameron Johnson. Eh, maybe. Uh, he's put him on the maybe list. I'm so we sure. think... And we know Max Ray isn't going to Tennessee, as I was told <laughs> over and over. <laughs> well, I'm not sure he may not be the number seven player in the state after the new rankings. Um, well, yeah, he doesn't participate in anything. So, you know, he looked real good in his camouflage hat at the last camp I was at standing there watching. But, and Jor- Jordan Davis, I'd say right now, if we look at this top 10, Jordan Davis is the one miss, I think. And honestly, I don't know if and, – and Tennessee did want Max Ray, so we can put that out there. I know there was some debate over that. They wanted him badly. And they no, I don't think him. that was the debate. The debate was they hated me because I was supposed to know that – read Max Ray's mind that he has some grudge against Tennessee, which may or may not even exist. You know, I, Who knows? Right. So, well, anyway, regardless, uh, Jordan Davis is a guy who kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> even the you – know, you know how I have some contacts in Memphis, of course uh, – you know, one of my main contacts in Memphis, I said, the kid committed to Alabama. And as far as I knew, I didn't even know he had an offer at the time he committed. And I, I called the guy in Memphis and he goes, oh, yeah, I did his film. He's pretty good, huh? And I was <laughs> yeah, like, I said. why didn't you tell me about him? You know, which is the conversation. So if I'm having those conversations, uh, schools are as well. So the Davis is a monster. I might yeah, be he, the only person that's ever seen him. Yeah, you are, at least uh, at Rivals. Yeah. He is... It's very hard to be imposing when you have braces, and he manages to do it, you know? Yeah, that's a tough one. So, moving on, uh, good job, Tennessee. You lose a commit, but killing it in-state. Miami. Now, Rob, bring us up to date. Tell everyone what happened. We had a 2019 kid. We had all sorts of drama. I kind of didn't really pay attention. I saw the emails coming in, but I assumed it was because someone messed up on the, the database with the committing and decommitting. So so tell us what happened. Yeah, so Breon Fuller, who is a wide receiver, uh, four-star, uh, Doral Academy down here and you know, outside of uh, outside of Miami, committed to Miami at around, I don't know, 1045. Uh, I guess that would have been Wednesday night. Uh, by 7 o'clock the next morning, he had decommitted from Miami. 
And by 10 o'clock that same day, AM, he had recommitted to Miami. So I guess what happened, according to, you know, the people that do good work over at Gainsport, which is our Miami site, is he had committed. His mother had told him, I don't want you going to Miami. Uh, and I think, I think Floor's on the record is saying that's what happened. Uh, you can't go to that school. I don't want you going to that school. And so he decommitted. And then I guess in the next two hours, he was like, you know, I don't really care what my mom says. <laughs> I'm going to commit to Miami. So, you know, on one hand, he's part of Miami's commitment list now. Uh, on the other hand, I have mom is pretty close to undefeated in recruiting. So unless somebody on Mark Rick's staff turns her, it's going to be pretty hard for them to hold on to him. I think um, you've seen this play out. You know, it's it's tough for for a high school kid to defy mom and go to the school for whatever reason she does not want him going to. Yeah, what what is do we have a reason why? I mean, why doesn't she want him to go? Yeah, I don't want to do speculate. Know? I don't know. Oh, I mean, okay. I mean, who knows? Uh, it could be any number of reasons, right? Uh, but anything I say would be a guess. Uh, it might be just a situation. And he's from he's from down there, right? Yeah, he's from, yeah, he's from Doral. So, you know, probably gets a lot of golf in down there. <laughs> yeah, maybe she wants yeah. him to spread his wings and I don't know. Who knows? My guess would be it's early. He's a 2019 kid, we should mention. Uh, and he, he's still picking up offers. I mean, he's got a, he's got some good ones now, but... I don't know. It's interesting that the and this is a thing that coaches run into with these earlier offers. The mom might not even maybe she's never even visited, and that's a, something that you hear from some of these kids who commit early. Is you know, mom, uh, you know, I need to get my mom to campus, and and like you said, I mean, mom's not going to lose this one, unfortunately, for Miami. Um, yeah, so it's all about conv- now they have to recruit her, right? So they've already recruited the kid. Now it's about recruiting mom, which you know you never know. So here we go. So here's so here's what happened according to canesport.com where our close friend of the podcast Gary Furman and uh, Matt Shadell are all over it. Now, so I'm going to read straight from the story here. Um, when Breon Fuller committed to Miami on Wednesday night, he did it with a full understanding that it was a so-called soft commitment. He made that clear in his commitment video with Canesport, which I guess we have to watch. Uh, one problem, mom didn't quite understand what that soft commitment entailed. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know what that sentence um, entails. So yeah. <laughs> she said, I thought you can't go anywhere else once you're committed. I was thinking a hard commit is like you signed, Fuller's mother Christy Brown told Kane Sport. He said, No, I verbally committed, but I said you shouldn't even you shouldn't even be verbally commit. He committed without my knowledge and I was upset. He has eleven offers, still others to come. And I said, You have to check out all your opportunities in life. So I told him this morning I want him to decommit. And I said, Don't just do it because it's your dream. This is your future. So so there you go. And then she says he could commit again. So it was what I said. I mean, it's early and this shows, and this is something that we harp on all the time. Nobody knows what's going on. We're, we're so that, could, that that sentence can be applied to like anything <laughs> in the world, not even just in football recruiting right now. Well, we're so deep into it that it for us it's like, oh yeah, of course, you know. Yeah. But that's because we live it every day, and a lot of the fans, obviously, if you listen to this podcast, uh, you're smart, but you're also a nerd. Um, so uh, we don't. The parents don't know. Look, this this kid's mom does not know the difference between committing, signing, doesn't know the rules. The kids I talked to at the camp in Columbus didn't even know what the early signing period was, when it started, when it ends. Nothing. Yeah, nobody tells them these things, right? They're That's not the reading. Pro- they're not reading the the, the NCAA bylaws. Uh, right. Exactly. Oh man, the NCAA has a new press release out. So this shows, and then people always wonder why we have third-party people getting involved, why there are handlers. 
because they're the ones who navigate this for confused parents and kids. And they're the ones that, that, that end up a lot of times helping them understand what's going on. It felt there's a gap to be filled and that's what happens. Yeah. I always end up getting asked to speak at some of these events and, you know, I make fun of them and I don't like speaking at them very much, but they are like, you know, there's a group out in Tampa that runs a pretty, you know, they run a seven on seven team in a training program, but they also do these like parent seminars for the younger generations, which I always somehow get swindled into speaking at. And it's just people going, <laughs> um, how do I get them stars? Yeah. How do I get them stars? But it, it, I see what they're doing and, you know, I, I see why they're doing it. And, you know, it, it would help if there was somewhere to educate even the kids' parents on, you know, how this works. Cause you know, if I had a son that was getting recruited and I wasn't working in this industry, I would know, I would have no idea. <laughs> what was yeah, going exactly. on? Exactly. Like, you and I were both. Could you imagine writers. if you were Johnny Accountant and you were like trying to figure out the difference between a hard commit, a signing date, an early signing day? I mean, there's no way. Right. Exactly. A grant and aid agreement versus a letter of intent, and that and that's the problem. You and I both were, you know, sports writers prior to coming to Rivals.com. I covered a lot of high school sports and. I didn't know what was going on. I'd have to, I'd be like, oh, what, you know, they changed the rules again. What, you know, <laughs> I, I don't understand. I don't know when people can sign. So I feel it. So, you know, good for Miami for getting the commit. And it, they, I don't think Miami did anything wrong. No. But I do, I, I do think, you know, this is going to, we're going to have to have some ups and downs. This kid's going to decommit. And he might still end up there. We just don't know. It, it's going to happen. So, <laughs> I mean, that's that's how it works in recruiting. Absolutely, uh, man. You know what they? Who is it? There's a seven on seven coach down here that always says, "I just look at it like whatever the school they commit to first in Florida is the one that they're not going to." Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's that couldn't be more true unless you're talking about uh, Robert Burns. You know. Yeah. I mean, he went, uh, he went quick and he stuck it out. You know, say what you will about Robert Burns, who may or may not have ever played football for the last two years, but boy, did he stick with that commitment. So. Now, speaking of uh, duping people, we had a situation this week which made national news, which I'm always a favorite of guys uh, crossing over into the to the full stream media from the recruiting media, which is what we consider ourselves. And we had a guy going under the name, I think it's his real name, Unique Brousset, Brousset, excuse me, who had... <laughs> who had named a top five, and he actually used a picture from a rivals camp, which wasn't him, I don't believe. No, it was some other Midwestern goon. Right, some kid that, that you know, had attended a camp, and he just found the picture and had someone make an edit for him, for all your edit needs. Uh, and he ended up naming a top five. And this is a problem, as I just mentioned. The, the normal media, like when we were newspaper reporters, they ran with it because they see it on Twitter. They're, they're, they have other responsibilities. But, and he was ranked was, oh, yeah, on one of the Miami other websites, the... right? Like, we didn't have a program right. for him, but one of the other recruiting services had this kid with stars on him. Yeah, he was ranked. Yeah, he was – because he, he was using someone else's huddle film. He'd taken huddle film, edited it into saying it was his. Uh, friend, you know, f- former friend of the show, Andrew Ivins, put a lot of this stuff together. Uh, ended up kind of exposing the kid and was named in a lot of these articles. But the kid, I mean, the guy thought it was great. The, the kid laughing. knew he was pulled. Right. I mean, here's what he told uh, Sports Illustrated. Has some, oh, wait, no, New York Post here. This is an aggregated story. And he said, uh, me and my brother was watching college football and huddles and stuff. Uh, we was talking about that, and we both agreed it would, it would be good to get fake offers. 
then we was talking about what our favorite college teams. And we started lying about the offers. Um, it's, uh, he said, "It's funny. I, I'm Team Brissett here, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's recruiting catfishing is the new is your refrigerator running prank phone call, right?" Right. He says, after his ruse was exposed, Brissett found the whole situation funny. It was easy. I don't think it was that hard at all. I was laughing. I was too hype. <laughs> I, I was also too hype. Um, interesting here they didn't clean up some of these quotes, uh, which I would have done, but that's a whole different topic for our journalism-centric podcast. <laughs> um so anyway, it just shows this. This is another example of, you know, this was a funny story. I got a laugh out of it. I'm sure a lot. Of, I, I can guarantee you by googling the kid's name, a lot of people got a lot of page views out of it. Uh, so um, you got to be careful. And this is why some kids do make up stuff and they don't realize that we double check with coaching staffs. Um, and so, had someone double checked originally on this, we wouldn't have had this issue. And that's why. He never had a profile on rival. Fair, somebody we would have had the issue. Like a, a newspaper or something would have covered this. And you know, to their credit, like I understand. I mean, they can't be expected to double check every offer. Like that's not on them. Um, they've just got to cover it straight up. Uh, we never had this problem. I didn't. I didn't write one word about this gentleman. Well, I had a problem one time when uh, a kid told me he took a visit. And he had no offers. It wasn't like he said he had an offer. And I wrote that he took a visit. And he did go to the school. <laughs> he flew there, went to the school. He flew there, went went there, didn't had never contacted the school. He went to Kentucky, I think. And then walked around to like tailgates and took pictures with fans. Okay, and then it's not a bad weekend. Flew back home, didn't even go to the game. So, you know. Uh, when I was trying to write a certain number of recruiting articles per week, um, kid told me he visited Kentucky. I wrote the story. Hey, he likes Kentucky. He had a good time on the visit. And then uh, they reached out to me and told me they had no idea who the kid was. <laughs> had a cheeseburger with some nice family from the Kentucky suburbs, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Had some had some bratwurst or whatever. What do they What do they eat in Kentucky? Uh, like, is there a Ken- I don't know if there's a Kentucky delicacy, right? It's known for I think everybody in the obviously. South thinks it, that their delicacy is barbecue, but it's not. It's only Kansas City's. Um, <laughs> so I, I assume that Kentucky is probably among the many states that thinks it does good barbecue. Yeah, sure. Shots fired. I know Nick and I had a really average uh, breakfast in Lexington one year at, at a place that had like five stars on Yelp, and I was real hot about it. Um, so take that, whatever the name is. Are you still been leaving Yelp reviews, or have you retired? Oh, from yeah. Right? No, no. Well, should we? <laughs> that wraps up our top five. Let's. Should we see what my last Yelp review was? Yeah, let's read it on the podcast. That, this this is a fun segment. It's the off season. This is a Nick and I have always talked about doing a uh, doing a podcast where I read other people's Yelp reviews. We did that early uh, in the early in the show. I was reading other people's Yelp reviews. Well, no, no, no. But like, because I with my commentary added as dramatic. So. Uh, oh, listen to this one. Last one I left was five stars, uh, which was at Moco Bistro in Charlotte, uh, which I've told you about. No, don't read and the he- five star one. That's not fun. okay. Find a right. one star. Let's hear a one star one. One star, Cleo's. Right. Okay. Um. Oh, look, we even got a response for from our boy. Uh, I said, the- <laughs> now this Cleo's is in New Orleans. <laughs> I don't even know if I should. <laughs> no, you have I'm to. not going to say where Cleo's is. Okay. Okay. We, we don't have time to edit this. 
it, regardless, the 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 place was in a gas station. That was part of the thing. It was like a mini mart. It wasn't a gas station. It was a mini mart, and then it had a restaurant. Yeah, but some of those are really good. I've eaten at a lot of good places. Right, it had a lot of reviews. Um, oh boy, I can't read what the guy <laughs> responded to me. I said the only way this place deserves four stars plus is if you're rating it as a convenience store and comparing it to the hot dogs on the rollers at Seven <laughs> Eleven. The food is average uh, Egyptian-style Mediterranean food, and the service is absolutely atrocious. What do you expect if you're eating in the middle of a dirty, a crappy, dirty store? <laughs> they have a good selection of international chocolates, which they'll gladly sell you at five times the price you'd pay anywhere else. And to top it off, their coolers with cold drinks leave stuff coming out lukewarm. Well, this- my, my favorite part is that you started this review by saying, I can't say what Cleo's is, and then proceeded to read about the Mediterranean <laughs> food that it serves. Well, you know, and then I said, the city I'm in, which will remain, remain nameless, is an amazing food city. Don't fall into groupthink and eat at this dumpster. Um, also, to be fair, you already said it was in New Orleans. Well, now you said it. but well, Now uh, we said it twice. The guy, resp- <laughs> the guy responded, hello, Woody. It's interesting that you left out the part where you refused to pay for the two drinks you grabbed from the cooler, a smalt water and a Mexican fresca. Then when the owner caught up to you after you ran outside, you you well, I can't read that part. You can imagine what, <laughs> what happened. happened? To that. How have I never heard this story? I'm, I'm sorry that you were drunk and thought you could take two beverages for free. Well, first of all, I don't drink alcohol, so we all know that's a fact, right? That is a fact. I can confirm. Uh, so I was not drunk. I was sober, and there was a miscommunication between the two people. Um, you know, anyway. Why were you drinking smart water anyway? Why? Well, this was pre this was pre Voss. Um So hold on, a man chased you out of the convenience? Like you're gonna have to tell the story now. What happened was the guy told me to grab a drink from the cooler, right? Yeah. He said, I ordered my food, I paid at the register, and he said, Okay, grab a drink out of the cooler, which I assumed it was like some type of value meal, right? Yeah. So I grabbed a drink out of the cooler and I drank it. Okay. Sure. I think it was the the soda. Mexican Fresca, as he listed it. So then, when I went to leave, I grabbed a bottle of water, and I grabbed some other of these international chocolates, which I was going to buy to bring home, and I went to the counter to pay, and he, and he said, no, you got to pay for that soda you drank. And I said, that, that guy told me to grab it out of the cooler. I paid him, because there was two different cash registers, yeah. one at the food, and he said, no, nah, no, nah, you got to pay for it. And I said... I that I said ask that dude. He told me to. He told me to get it. I paid him, and he said he said no. You ask him. And of course, when he's told me to, you you know how I am when someone does something like that to me. I do. And I said you know what? Forget this place. I don't want any of this stuff. So I didn't even take the smart water. Okay. <laughs> I walked out. So I walked out, and then the dude came chasing after me, asking me where I told me I needed to pay for the soda. And I said, you want the money? Here's the money. And then I threw it at him. And then <laughs> perhaps called him some names as so well. I have Googled Mexican Fresca and I am not returning anything. What exactly well, constitutes a Mexican Fresca? It may be like a Doritos or something. Yeah, you know I, what I mean? Yeah, but why I think Mexican, call that Mexican Fresca? fresca? Would, Mexican Fresca would insinuate that he uses real cane sugar and not, uh, you know, whatever corn syrup or whatever Boy, that like sounds mexican. like cultural appropriation to me well he used the term mexican fresca in the review so anyway it's gotten a lot of responses from the yelp uh from the yelp uh the yelp people community. on there 
I'm sure it's going to get some responses from our bosses when they listen to this. But, you know, give give people behind the scenes. We travel a lot um, to a lot of different places. And sometimes you just want to eat food and not have problems. And I don't have a lot of problems at restaurants. Do I have problems at a lot of places? No, no, not really. Um, But I'm not like rude to waiters like some people who work at Rivals.com who shall... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's not, well, they don't work at Rivals.com anymore. Did work. Well, no, there's one current uh, Rivals.com analyst who, uh, who has told waitresses to shoo. Oh, okay, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> so anyway, that wraps that up. Uh, boy, geez. That's a new segment called Woody's Yelp Reviews um, and Crazy Stories because he's a lunatic. Um, moving on. Tweet of the week time. We got a couple of candidates here. We have no sound effects this week because I can't hear them. And uh, Nick is obviously, I don't know what he's doing, muling, I guess. Yeah. Uh, which I need to be doing as well. Um, so I've got a couple of candidates. And I'm sure you saw this tweet. I, I, now, I, I couldn't figure out who started this uh, trend with this tweet. Um, but there was a news magazine, Emirates 24-7 which has a a pretty well-known Twitter account, 437 followers, uh, and is verified. It says... 437 followers? Thousands. Oh, okay. That's exactly something. And the story was, woman gives birth to a goat. Okay. And so the recruits got a hold of this one. And the first one I saw was our boy, friend of the show, and a very funny Twitter follow, Al Blades. And he he re, he quote tweeted and said, "My mom already did that," <laughs> <laughs> inferring that he is the goat, the greatest of all time, which the kids love to do. And then I saw a couple other kids do it after that. Um, well, Al is like everybody's always biting on Al's style on Twitter. I'll give him that. He is right. he's one of the very few, like him, Trevor Trout from the Midwest. There are certain guys that I legitimately enjoy following for this job. Uh, Robert Hicks is actually pretty good. That linebacker from Miami. Those are probably the three best. Yeah, well, then the kid we the, the other kid from Tennessee that we've at least read three or four of his tweets. Uh, I forget what his name was now. He was, the, he was the one. Uh, I can't remember his name. I I unlike these tweets after afterwards. So the second one was another Florida kid, I believe, Abraham Alsey. Which yep, if I remember, if, if I remember, he he must have moved from Immokalee because there was a prominent family with that last name. I, I believe he had an older brother who who signed to go somewhere. But anyway. He has a unique way of putting out his offers, I think. Um, he, he says weird stuff when he does. So he got offered by Kentucky, and he tweeted, The Lord and I had lunch eating KFC with the coincidence of getting an offer from the University of Kentucky. <laughs> Is he trying to rap? No, I, I think I, I don't know if he's rapping or if he was eating KFC and praying, and then he got an offer from Kentucky. So, well, I mean, he, who, every who hasn't ever been eating KFC and praying? Right. Every offer he has, he puts out uh, with some weird thing. Good Boston College, the Lord sent an eagle from above grasping onto a letter to my doorstep with an <laughs> offer from Boston College. It's Wright Thompson of the recruiting world. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of them involve the Lord. Um, so anyway, it's it's funny. He's a, he's kind of a funny kid. You can tell he's, he's making some jokes. So anyway, those are our two tweets of the week. Now, Rob, time for rants and recommendations. We, we, we already got to hear one of both. I recommended you not go to that restaurant, and I ranted about what happened. But you and I went to a baseball game. When was that last? I can't even know what yeah, day it is. A week ago today. Days, yeah. 
Yeah, we were in St. Louis. Uh, the Giants were in town. Rob wanted to go to this ballpark, which I would give, I would say is average. Yeah, it's a I little mean, above average, I think. I'd give it a solid B-. minus. Yeah, it's middle of the road. I mean, the food options were minimal. The popcorn, very stale. No, nah, but it was Sorry. nice in the way that it had character and that, you know, it was fill, filled with fans. Um, yeah, which, which is rare. Often. Um, <laughs> I was watching for a team the- that's not, you know, dominant right now. I was watching the local news and somebody had, I think it was uh, the Braves gave up three consecutive home runs in a game the other night, maybe to the Pirates or whoever they were playing. And I mean, there wasn't a fan in sight, man, those outfield bleachers. And that's a brand new stadium. Um, yeah, well, so, when you like you said, a lot of fans were there. The they ran for the. Oh, we can get back to that. That'll be for the Why Did You Build a Stadium in the Suburbs Braves podcast. All right, go ahead with the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's a that's a talk about a hot take here in the city. So anyway, we get there, we go to go to our seats, and of course someone else is sitting in them. And these were not like, you know, these were average seats, but they were under the overhang, which was key on a on a somewhat rainy night. And I don't know if you thought about that when you bought them, Rob. Not at all. Complete coincidence. Uh, well, we're giving you credit for it anyway. So the we ended up having to move into other we said, you know what? Not every seat's taken. We'll move down a row. Let you guys have the seats you're already sitting well, in. Well, she had a hurt knee. I didn't want to make the old lady get up and move her hurt knee. Yeah, yeah. There was some sort of – her and another guy that was with them both had some type of, you know, ailments that were troubling them. So – but these were – you know, these were at the top of the hill, though, too. These were the last row against the wall on uh, the lower bowl, I guess you'd call it. So, anyway, they were in our seats. So, then we sit in some other seats and we say, you know, let's go get some food for the game stars. We come back. The people who had those seats were sitting there. So we ended up popping into some seats, and the problem is then it starts raining, and now we're getting wet. <laughs> when really, if, <laughs> if we just sat in our own seats, I mean, it's a it's a tr- it's a domino effect, and I'm always saying this about traffic. One person not going when they should is like a it's a butterfly effect, and so the domino and butterfly. Imagine if a butterfly knocks over a set of dominoes. <laughs> so you know, it made it, it's uncomfortable because you can never truly relax because you're sitting there wondering when the pe- if the, every person coming up the stairs is going to be in your seat. your seat. Yeah, yeah. So you know, just sit in your own seats, people. I don't care if the thing is empty. Sure, if it if it's if you're at a Marlins game like Rob, you go, you sit in your seats, and then second or third inning, no one's there, you can go sit wherever you want. Yeah, I've got a great um, usher too that kind of encourages the uh, the old move down. All right now, Rob, you got a recommendation this week. What do we got? Oh yeah, I've been watching the Keepers. Um, this is a show that is extremely dark and triggering, so you know, be careful. But uh, it's it's great. Uh, it's interesting. It's on Netflix. It's about a nun who got murdered in the '60s uh, and the ensuing cover up. Uh, you know, it's got your creepy Catholicism, it's got your church corruption, it's got your dead nuns, it's got your whodunit. It's a little bit like a more interesting making a murder, except with that creepy church tie-in and, you know, some other really disturbing aspects of the show. Um, but I'm not through with it yet. I'm on episode four. You watch the first episode and you think, all right, this is a show about a whodunit murder. And then they throw a curveball at you in the second episode. And it gets, you know, quite frankly, it gets a little bit hard to watch because it is some it's some pretty chilling subject matter, I think. Uh, but I think it's, you know, it's interesting and I think it's important and I'm, you know, I'm enjoying it thoroughly. That's a documentary style, right? It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like a true kind. It's just like making a murder, except, you know, obviously not as redneck and country. (laughs) Well, making a murderer is sad. Yeah. This is, Uh, this is maybe sadder, but in a different way. Like it's just, you know, it's, it's some pretty hard to choke down subject matter. It doesn't have as many, you know, you're not sad for these dumb people are being taken advantage of possibly you're sad for holy crap the church is corrupt 
Yeah, much like last week when I recommended a show where Nazis take over America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really? Not all highlights. Although I've been watching Master of None season two. You know, Nick's got to watch that. I'm sorry. I'm going to make him watch it's it. It's great. I don't know why Nick turned on it. And that's the thing. Like, we asked him, like, what's your problem with it? He never really gave us an answer. He was just like, eh. No, that's very good. I I got, uh, I was really laughing. I can't remember which episode got me the most, uh, the most laughs. I'm like halfway through, but because uh, I don't, I actually watch, try to watch like one episode a day, especially if it's a comedy. And I would recommend that. How's that for a recommendation? Binge watching TV is fun, but with a comedy, sometimes the jokes fall flat because you watch so many of them in a row. Um, so, you know, be careful. Binge responsibly. <laughs> I would say. Any number of, of life. I'm going to be binging tomorrow at this going away party. Yeah, well, exactly. I we won't talk about that. Uh, next thing you know, you'll be leaving bad reviews, bad reviews at Cleo's. <laughs> Go out, have a couple drinks, rob an Egyptian place and a how, gas how station. How would the guy think I was drunk when I'm not drunk? I probably just – okay. You know, all due respect, and I love you, Womack, and you know this. You are you, you are a lunatic. And sometimes <laughs> normal people when they're sober don't act like that. So a lot of people can't comprehend that you would just scream and yell and rant when you're completely sober. Unless they know you like I do, in which case you're like, oh, that's just Woody. But if I just like encountered you at the airport and you were telling me to go F myself, I would assume that you had been drinking. So I can't completely fault uh, our homeboy. At the- yeah. Well, the thing is they don't get to see me laugh afterwards because I <laughs> oftentimes laugh at myself. For being a lunatic. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they don't get to see that side of you. Well, whenever we get a podcast that's unedited, I can tell stories of foul mouth uh, hijinks. We'll, we'll get right on that. So next week, we, we, we were, in, were in talks to get a very big guest on the podcast. He uh, has not been responding to our emails uh, last time I checked, at least. right? You resp- I know I saw you respond to the email thread. We have not received a response from the potential guest, though, right? No, not that I know of. And, I, you know, I should – at some point, someone should be – who knows, man. Like, he was supposed to call me last night. He was supposed to call me this morning. No, no, no. you're talking about a second potential guest. Yeah, yeah, The yeah. one that was supposed to be on today. I'm talking about – we had talked about doing a special edition on Monday or Tuesday to coincide with the rankings release. <laughs> yeah, that big guest, yeah. Uh, yeah, he he is going to try to avoid this as much as possible. Um, I don't really know why. But we can ask him once we get him on here why he hates the podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, we're we're working on that. So, you know, we we still love our audience. We we're trying hard. I mean, we are uh, we are very busy at Rivals.com, churning out a bunch of content. Rob's got a story up about how much he hates the Big Twelve. Yes, uh, that's right exactly now. what it is. Although the Kansas uh, State Board right now is really letting me have it. Oh, they're on you, huh? Yeah, we've got a story where I predict where players from Missouri are going to go to school, and I, I haven't checked. Uh, any message for us to see how stupid that people think I am for that one. Um, so we're all over the place, but we got a, a ton of great content. We were writing a bunch of stuff and we're heading into the summer. I think Rob and I are both excited to, uh, to uh, relax a little bit. Maybe I don't yeah, know. We'll staff when. some of the media days and we'll do some things. Uh, hopefully we'll have some more guests on the show. Uh, hopefully we'll get Nick back next week, add a little bit more pizzazz to this and uh, we'll be back at full strength. All right, that wraps it up for us. We will be back next week. M. Deuce, uh, play us out.